Beavers of the passions, cruel and ignorant Beavers of the heart, men use the gods To be masters of the masses, but now His divine's tyranny is art Why do you call me a godless heathen? Never judge you for the things which you stand Promise of salvation, threats of damnation This is the willful ignorance of man Hello all you beautiful creatures of the night. Welcome to the Satanic in Nature podcast. We are Sin. Our subtitle is The Gay Agenda, Baby Eating, Witchcraft, Polyamory, Drugs, Rock and Roll, and anything else you might consider offensive to society. It's gonna get weird in here. I am Cora Howell. And I'm Tomoe Belmont. If you like what we have to say, go ahead and give us a follow on Patreon. They revamped a bit and made it so that anyone with an account can follow us. So if you go to patreon.com slash satanic in nature, you can go ahead and follow us there. If you want to help us out with publishing, just go on and join one of the tiers there. Our patrons on those tiers get Discord access and bonus content as a thank you for making those small contributions towards publishing. Hail our patrons! If you don't want to commit to that, but still want to bend our ears a little bit, send us an email at satanicinnature at gmail.com or fill out the contact form on our link tree, which can be found on all of our social media. Today, I brought up a topic that I have mentioned before a little bit, and I've alluded to it at different parts of this podcast, but I've really not gone into detail. It's actually something that's a bit of a dark and difficult part of my life, but I think I'm ready to talk about it and really give some people some deep insight to it at one point believe it or not cora howell was the president of a church congregation crazy (laughs) it's crazy i'm about to find some stuff out like we haven't really actually talked to the about this so uh this is going to be a journey and i'm happy to be on it Absolutely. And I think it's hard to talk about for me just because there's so many things we're going to get into today that are just one hard for me to think about the fact that I was a part of. And we're going to talk about what that meant and what that actually was like, since most people don't really know what happens behind the scenes and how churches actually run to really get it out there. The church I was a part of was called the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod or WELLS. And this is one of the largest Lutheran groups in the world, with an international presence in every continent outside Antarctica, with churches in 47 U.S. states and four provinces of Canada, as well as churches and gospel outreach in 40 countries around the world. The Wells subscribes to the Lutheran Reformation teaching of sola scriptura, which, if you don't know what that means, it means in Latin, by scripture alone which makes me cringe just thinking about it because what that means is it holds that the Bible is the final authority by which the church teachings can be judged. Wells pastors have a subscription to the 16th century Lutheran confessions as such pastors and congregants within the Wells agree to teach in accordance with that. Crazy. What is this? (laughs) Okay. So, This thing is, there's a lot of history behind this. In fact, the Lutheran church has been around for since that time in the 16th century, 500 years. It's the second oldest major church next to Catholicism. And so one of the things that happened was when Luther uh, decided, who was actually a Catholic at the time, decided the Catholic church was not doing some things right and he mm. was a bit of a rebel of the time. He basically wrote what's called the 95 Theses, and he came up with a bunch of recent reasons why the Catholic Church was doing things that were wrong. And he Ooh. was kind of a badass. He went up to the door 
uh, of one of the main Catholic churches and nailed it, his actual document to the door. And there's this. Famous, yeah. <laughs> we just at people on Twitter today, but like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was pretty hardcore for the time. And uh, his ideas were pretty radical. In fact, he was, he had to flee and actually go into hiding in Germany with a lot of the other Protestants that were starting to come about at the time. Um, in fact, he stayed in several castles and had to stay with different German royalty in different places and to really escape things. One of the things that he really focused on was making the Bible uh, literate for people who weren't you know, versed in Latin, because as much as a lot of people knew Latin at the time, many of the countries like Germany and England and places like that did not speak Latin. Uh, most of the commoners, which uh, Latin was kind of kept as a thing for the nobles, were, you know, people who only spoke the local language. So his thing was oh. taking the printing press, which was newly invented, and making it available to everyone. And that was one of the key things oh. that he wanted to do. So, no, wait. Yeah. So he was just trying to spread the good word yeah. of God, which is ultimately their goal. And they were fucking mad about it? Yes, they were. Yo. <laughs> and not this only is that, crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was he made, he had tons of complaints, such as things around purgatory, right? He didn't think that was biblical. He didn't he didn't mm. think that a lot of the things the Catholic Church church did, such as saints and other things like that, were biblical. They were just made up by popes. And as a result, his call was to go back to a more traditional teaching of the Bible. Oh shit. And really trying to push people, one, to make it more accessible, and two, to go back to what the Bible actually said, because he felt that the Catholic Church, go figure, uh, <laughs> was violating things that the Bible said. So that being a key huh. cornerstone of the Lutheran Church, uh, this particular synod subscribes to a very traditionalist biblical view. and. Oh. He, where he was both a badass and kind of had some good things about what he was doing, that also meant that came with some really radically bad things that are out yeah. there in, in the biblical teachings. And yeah, I got to experience a little bit on that of that on our Bible verse episodes. Hmm. I don't know if this is a good thing. I mean, props to him <laughs> for doing what he believed in, but uh, well, have you read the book, my guy? Right. And making the one good thing, though, that was I, I have to give him credit for was that he was one of the first people that really tried to make writing accessible to the masses. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Which is very cool. Got to give him credit for that. That is what has led to things like the information revolution. Right. We have been finally able to, as commoners, be able to read and to be able to organize and be able to use writing, writing to spread good information and things like that to everyone. And I think yeah. that that's an, a really important thing. But he translated Not with this. Yes. <laughs> translating the Bible into German uh, was his big thing, right? Because most people, well, they didn't speak Latin, spoke German. At the time, he really, really was facing it. And the Lutheran church, just like every church, has had divisions over time. So there's different yes. synods out there. There's the Missouri Synod. There's the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the ELS Synod. And those are some of the biggest. But Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod is one of the biggest. Right? Mm -hmm. It's it's huge. And uh, it is was founded in the 1800s and actually 
Um, it's called the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod because it was founded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and has spread from there and Ooh. has baptized, according to their Wikipedia, over 300-something thousand people. And not that I think that's a good thing, but that makes me cringe over time. But they yeah. are very proud of their the ability that they've had to spread over the world. This is so, yeah, this is not a small hick town church that someone would assume that this is this is a large fucking entity so uh yeah go ahead and walk us through your timeline of <laughs> joining the church and how high you went within it and maybe talk about what was contributing to like why you were doing it a lot of people who are in religion grow up in the religion yeah so that was me i mean i i grew up i was born into it my mother was a part of the Wells congregation ever since she was born. Uh, my grandfather was the president of a church congregation. And mm. believe it or not, my dad actually um, converted. He was an atheist and converted to Christianity. What? Yes. What? Yes. That's um, so rare. It's it's wild. Yes, it's so rare. Um, Get your dad on here. And what baffles me more is that my father is a nuclear engineer. And if there's someone that should have known that this is BS and that the world isn't 5,000 year years old, it's someone who knows about, you know, radioactive half-lives and fucking atoms. Yeah. The dude <laughs> is fuck? smart as hell. But I think people do a lot of things to basically save relationships. Um, and um, I have, he basically, he was getting what he called a degree in Jack Daniels his freshman year in college. Right, and right. then <laughs> met my mother and that was the key turning point for him he went from doing that to getting straight a's at pretty much and within a year of meeting each other they were married basically um, oh that's crazy um, that's it's insane they went through all of school together they were married they they did all this stuff they even waited until later in life which was rare for that group to have kids because my mom wanted to finish school and so yeah. she's a senior partner in a law firm, also an insanely intelligent person who has bought into this. Two of the smartest people I've ever met, yet they are trying to go through the gymnastic hoops to go through this. And it's really hard for me to wrap my head around, especially as someone who's found my way out of it. And mm -hmm. now, and, you know, has equivalent degrees and, and everything and considers themselves, you know, to to know what they went through in college and to know what they were taught. And especially my dad, since I'm an engineer by education. So I know what he was taught in college. And to wrap your head around both that and Christianity at the same time just wow. blows my mind. Wow. He he really left space for both. And <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. So I know that's going back a bit, but I think it's important to kind of consider when you think about little Cora, like what I was born into. Yes. And I was baptized. It was the first time I ever got to wear a dress. I love it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> for, so. for those of you who might be new to this podcast, neither of us are cis. <laughs> I'm a non-binary little fucking creature and Cora is a trans person. So, yeah. yes, if you're joining us for the first time, that's why that joke was so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, since I'm a trans woman and uh, I was like put in a dress, you know, at days old and then had water dumped on my head for my <laughs> baptism. And I think that's where it kind of all started. 
I, I was pushed into this from the moment I was born, um, as was my whole family, my brothers as well. Growing up in that, I was at a church that was one of the largest in the Synod. Several, mm-hmm. you know, it had it l- several hundreds of active members, but had a transitory um, membership of students because it was on the University of Wisconsin campus that put it in the thousands. Right. So people, it was huge. And it started off as a small church that was on campus. And my dad became president of that church congregation. Oh, shit. Not long after college and uh, went around the time I was born and everything and helped to build that church from what was a kind of medium, small size place into what it is today, which is a massive church. The church looks like the castle. They literally designed it to look like the castle that Luther was hiding in, in Germany. Oh, shit. And <laughs> so if you want to see a so, picture of it, go look up um, the, uh, on University of Wisconsin campus, it's the, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the new, the new name that they have, but it's, it's essentially the one right in the middle of the University of Wisconsin campus. And this place is bonkers. It has a massive copper spire and it is huge. The Yo, sanctuary I'm, is massive. I Googled it. I'm looking at it right now. The Wisconsin campus Lutheran Chapel is yep. what I, oh, I'm sorry, University of Wisconsin campus Lutheran Chapel is what I Googled. And this shit really does kind of look like a castle and it really is quite large. Wow. Holy shit. That's, it's... that's real. This is real. <laughs> you could Google it too. Yes, uh, it is um, huge. So when I was growing up, I was in the smaller version of the church. And I was, you know, being the kid of a president of a church congregation, I attended every Sunday, assuming I didn't have a hockey game. Basically, that was the only time because my dad was obsessed with keeping me in sports. You played pretend very well. I played pretend a very lot of well. trans people do. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, I, I when I missed church it was mainly due to sports but most of the time we were there <laughs> and i would and say god was with you on the field you know so exactly you're praise god for me winning you know that baffles me by the way that when people do that like that god fucking gives a shit about your stupid little game but you know like <laughs> yeah like there there's famine there's wars but you know your football game your hockey game is what But you're with about. with your team with you specifically fuck that other team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As if they're not praying to, right? Look. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that was baffling too was seeing my dad standing up there as the president giving sermons and giving lessons to the people oh. and when I talk about traditional, this is the place that would sing like the old school hymns. Like we're Ooh. talking, it's very militaristic in style. Like when you would be in a church service, they would say all rise for the hymn and everyone would stand up and they would sing and they would say, and be seated. And everyone would sit down and like, <laughs> oh shit, <you> know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. By scripture alone. And they fucking sure. They had a script for the whole thing, and everyone would mindlessly say the words in response to the script. So the pastor would say mm. something that was scriptural, and then people would respond with something. And it was the most thoughtless, ridiculous thing I've ever been into in my entire life. Because Ooh. unlike a lot of churches where it's kind of more ad hoc and there's bands and stuff playing, Lutheran churches, it's all choreographed to a T. 
Oh, so it's very ritualistic and yes. old school creepy, but it was probably that much more important, quote unquote, that you participate and pay attention because that's not just a pastor, you know, like that's not just some guy in your community. That's your fucking dad. Yes. <laughs> so you went home with that dude after. Correct. <laughs> And so God and and even politics within God was a part of my everyday life. Not to mention the fact, I mean, every night I my parents would come in and make me say my prayers before oh. bed. You know, living in this place, you had to pray before every meal, right? Mm. Give thanks. You had rituals around Easter. You were there for Wednesday and Vespers and all these different things. So this was a constant part of your life. And beyond that, what my dad did was he made it the cool Lutheran church. And he, Ooh. for the first time, brought in a band from the University of Wisconsin who were members there to play more upbeat music. And they, oh, wow. The way that I put it is they tolerated it. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have this really traditional service and then randomly this like thing would go. So that was growing up. As I was, you know, doing this, I had to get confirmed. At 14 years old, they make you get confirmed. Mm. okay and this was a time where they say you know you can choose not to do this but we want you to go through the education which is more indoctrination <laughs> before you make your decision oh, and by the time no. you're done with it you don't do not feel like you have a choice that this is something that you have to do and that it's the only way that you can live or you're going to hell or you're a bad person oh shit right and double for you because again this is your fucking dad who is running this shit wow but go on <laughs> yep here i am and i'm forced to do this at the time my dad was they were doing construction on the church to go from the smaller church to the one that you would see on the website today <laughs> so jokingly and i'm not not kidding about this i'm the only person i know of that got confirmed in a brazilian steakhouse because oh my God. <laughs> You told me about this before. <laughs> I quite literally was sitting there and they told me like, hey, by the way, I know this is going to be hard on you, but like we're moving the church temporarily next door into the Brazilian steakhouse, which we're going to rent every Sunday and turn into a, a sanctuary, which they did. It's a huge place, so which, you know, these big steakhouses are, and they would convert the whole restaurant because they, they paid this steakhouse to turn it into a church. And they had the back room, they had a, they kept the library and everything. Oh, that's so fucking funny. And they continued oh. every service. Uh, they can not only did every service, but they also, I mean, this is a place that does outreach. They had English English as a second language classes to bring people in. They oh, had no. all kinds of stuff. That's big. And, yes. And also the the fucking the Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, weirdly enough, it fucking suits you. <laughs> it very much does. <laughs> All while this was going on, I'm going to church camp. And if you want to hear about how that went, you can go on our Patreon and become a Patreon member and then basically hear about how I lost my virginity, if you're curious. Uh, yes. And let me put it this way. It was not very Christian of me. Um, it was awesome. It was very satanic. <laughs> um. <laughs> so here, here I am. And I'm in, you know, this kid who very much struggling with my sexuality 
and gender and things like that. I didn't quite realize it was gender at the time. I was just like, I know I'm not straight. And that's how it starts. That's how it starts, <laughs> right? But I'm I'm seeing my dad turn this into this really cool place. And like my name, and I'm not joking, underneath the tile in the sanctuary, we were allowed to write our name so that our name would be forever enshrined underneath the tile inside the sanctuary. So a Satanist name is inside this church on the floor in there. I can't tell you how much cathartic that makes me. Um, But like, even, I bet it's more cathartic because it's probably your fucking dead name, right? Like, it's not, it's not your name now. It's your dead name. Correct. So, wow. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah. Fuck. (laughs) This is the thing. He and this church did such a great job. My mom was the attorney for the church. And oh, help them with legal things and zoning and everything like that. My family was so involved. She helped with contracts. She helped with everything, um, which was rare because women in this church are not allowed to be leaders at all. Yeah, that's the vibe that I was getting when I looked a little bit at like just Lutheran stuff. I saw a little bit of like a split going on where there's some Lutheran churches with lady pastors. Ooh. Like, yeah, that's that. I don't even know what to say about that. That's it's fucking 2023. Yes. And they are, like I said, biblically literalist. So there's a there's one verse in Second Timothy that they use for that. And it but we'll get into that later, because that was a huge part of my battle when I did become a leader in the church. Uh And so here I am and I see him and it's this amazing place. And I'm seeing like, it's, it was fun because you got good music. It was this huge sanctuary. There was awesome perks like down in the basement after Bible study, I got to play Xbox and play pool. The students would come and get free internet and get to do their laundry. They would give certain students who promised to, you know, support the church free housing inside the church. There's actually um spots for i think eight people to live there it it's a it's an amazing place as far as like some of the perks they offer students that's how they get them in the door right Uh, and it's clever it's very clever it's sadistic is what it is it's kind of like under 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 the radar and how they like you gotta worship but we'll give you this cool shit yes here i am and i i learn all this stuff and i learn how to run a church really well from my father and watching my mom and dad do that. And my mom is probably the unsung hero in that place. And they have no idea. And mm. my dad gets all the credit for it. Oh, God damn like, it. I think she gets a little credit for some of the things that she directly did and there was no hiding it. But I think that she is very much behind the scenes helping this place. But then I went to college. I with was the like, sun devils <laughs> at a school where the literal mascot is the sun devil. I went to Arizona State University, everyone. If you don't know Arizona State University, it is a party school. And one of the things that I didn't want to do and I was really struggling with is that like I just felt so there was no boundaries in my family. So I felt so cooped up. So getting away and going 1800 miles was my way of kind of going, okay, I need space right at the time. And I wanted to like learn a little bit more about myself. So I went away and I fell away. I didn't go to church. There was one. It required me to drive through the ghetto in 
Arizona to get there. So that was my excuse. I was like, I don't feel safe going there. I don't really want to go to it. And then there was one other that was closer, but it was like going to a fucking funeral home because all the people were old and they wouldn't allow me to wear shorts. And that was my other excuse. I didn't want to go to that place because it's Arizona and I didn't want to wear fucking shorts. I wanted to wear fucking shorts. And what? Wait, back up. (laughs) What, what, what was the reason for the not wearing shorts? Like, was it like, you're gay and we don't want that or no. men shouldn't wear shorts for some toxic masculine reason correct it was more oh, that no. it was more like you need to be dressed up for god and women should wear skirts and dresses and things like that that are appropriate and men should wear pants and suits and things like that and or at Man, least a that. color or at least a colored you, shirt right you are in the desert correct <laughs> i guarantee you the israelites were not wearing fucking suits like <laughs> Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. These pe- these repeat, these are people that I cared for. I, I still care for. They're good people in general, but they don't realize what they're doing to others. They have no mm-hmm. concept of it. They know um, not what they do. They know not what they do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually a Bible quote, by the way, if you didn't know that, right? Like if anyone out there is there, they know what not what they do is what Jesus said right before uh, he talked about his disciples giving him up to get crucified. So yeah. like, <laughs> I, I quote that all the time, not because I know that Bible story, but because of the Adult Swim show, Black Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Oh, praise Satan. They right. know not what the fuck they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here I am. I go through four years of fucking blasphemy and sex and drinking and craziness. And I get out and I'm, I've had, I've, so to speak, got this. I, I started off going nuts in my first couple of years. And then I met my ex-wife and we met mm. and we started dating. I really struggled with that because I didn't want to give up my freedom, but at the same time, like that was there. And she was still struggling with her own Christianity because she grew up in an even more insane environment in the deep South when it came oh, to, no. to baptism, Baptists, like hers, her group is not the, the, the group that I'm talking about where they're like, my group was on the face of things much better in the, in the sense, but they were more sneaky in how they implemented this stuff. Hers yeah, are the, so- the people that you see ranting and raving in a fucking like Southern Baptist church with snakes and fucking talking in. Oh shit. And stuff. Okay, so- she very likely came from a fucking cult, whereas you came from a corporate entity. Oh, I would call it a corporate cult. Yes, yes, yes. Oh um, no, because by the way, they run this like a business, and we'll get into more of that yes. later. So I finished school, and my family reels me back in. They're like, "What?" So now you're out of ASU. You, there's a church that's you know about forty minutes down the road, and you have a car. Like, why don't? you go check it out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, and this was, this is even <laughs> after I went away to England and obviously England was a harder place to find a church like that. And um, <laughs> so there was Wells churches. They just weren't close. Right. And so they, and by the way, they're so into their own brand, so to speak. And I call it a brand because it is that they don't even want you to go to a different church. Stole the question right out of my mouth. Be like, so wait a minute, if it's all for God, why ain't you allowed to go to a different church or worship? However, it's convenient. <sighs> Interesting. So they, while you were is... in England, you probably couldn't even find one of these within a reasonable distance, even though, you know, there's some in 40 other countries across the world. 
damn. So you got to have our brand of Jesus or no Jesus at all. Yes. <laughs> and their their thing was like, well, you shouldn't go to a Church of England church because that's basically Catholicism, but with Ooh. the English queen on the, the pedestal, right? Because if you didn't know, the English queen is essentially the Pope of the English church. Oh. And so like, they they wanted me to kind of stick with that and they they would all always say like other christians are going to go to heaven as long as they have faith but they're not doing it the right way right <laughs> i'm not even joking like the almost it was in like better <laughs> words than i just did but it, that's what the meaning was it, they very much were for their brand and cuz they're yeah, like they're not our way yeah you have to be biblically accurate if you can't go into and this is what they would say go in there and challenge that pastor and say do you follow this and you do follow this and do you do these things and they would have challenges that they would teach me to when if i were to go into a different church to actually say to a pastor or to someone in there to see whether they were so to speak worthy of your patronage for worthy of you being able to go in there because if you're not biblically accurate if you don't follow these similar teachings that are written out in luther's catechism uh both small and large by the way there's two different ones <laughs> what yeah. it just makes such because, a face guys <laughs> and if they don't follow the like i studied the 95 theses and all these things like bonkers Okay. And if you had, you don't know about Luther's catechism, it is a fucking book. Like we're talking Bible level style size book. And it's huge. okay. So it's, it's massive. I, I get back from England and, and they, they do this to me. They say, Hey, go, go back to this other church. So my partner at the time and I go. And of course, because she wants to live nearby me, we're going to get married soon. Yeah. We didn't think it was practical to have us living in two different places. Doesn't make any sense. Makes zero sense whatsoever. But we get there. And at first, they don't say anything about it. But then they notice something about three months in. Because we get fully registered. I get like officially sworn in as a member and and a part of that and i had they like go to the level of like you have to have like a letter from your former pastor showing who you are and all that kind of stuff like um if you're a new person then you go through all this education to before you become a member and you have to go through confirmation as an adult oh that's weird so like was it some kind of like background check or do they just want to be like how into jesus are you they they, they want to make sure that you are going to be educated in their brand, so to speak, in mm. their way of following the Bible. And it's very strict on how, like, you become a member. And okay. when you become a member, it's not just you, but they encourage your whole family to become members, right? So my... Know. Like my ex- fiance at the time went and actually went through confirmation as an adult to become a member there i went through it with her just to support her just i went to the education sessions to just be a part of it you already knew should i already knew wow Um, wow so i wonder hmm, like i wonder what her church would have to say about that since you're this church is like well that church isn't our brand of church oh they would have said the same thing Oh no. That's <laughs> a battle of the brands. It's like fucking Gatorade versus vitamin <laughs> water. Like <laughs> Oh, it is. Jesus like, edition. <laughs> you know, and they they're very like serious about it. In fact, some evangelical churches say that Catholics are going to hell. Like they probably are. 
<laughs> I, I feel like Catholicism is the most evil sect of religion, and that's not what this topic is about, but that's just how I feel about that. We'll have an episode about that some other yes. time. Whereas, at least mine was like, well, they're going to go to heaven, but, you know, like, they, they're they not going to believe the right things. And they'll find out when they go to heaven that they were wrong. <laughs> so, like, are they just going to regular heaven and then there's just, like, blue check heaven for you guys? Like, No, that's the funny thing is there's, like, there's Instagram no verified. Like, yeah, there's no difference between the heaven that I'm going to and the heaven that Catholics are going to. So I guess they're not wrong. Like, what is this bullshit? Um, and so I get there and this church is dysfunctional. They right. are... It's mostly old people. There's a few young families there, but they've been shrinking for a while. But they have a great facility. They have, um, they used to run a preschool there, so they have a, like an actual large facility where they could educate kids and bring families in and do things. They had a playroom. They had things. So it was actually not a bad church for like what I considered at the time my family. Because I don't think, you know, it's weird to think about my family at the time the way that it is now because it's completely changed. And I don't think it was acting as a family. I think the way that they teach women, in fact, my ex had to go through this, was that, and she she knew this because her brand of Christianity did this too, was that the man is the head of the household. What he says goes. And what, and she is the neck, so to speak, is what the literal Bible verse is. Okay. What the fuck? What does he that is mean? Meant, meant to support the head, but the head makes all the decisions is the analogy, right? Like, you know, the Ugh. neck holds the head up, right? And that's the that's the analogy that they make. And so they're taught that, you know, men are meant to make all the decisions, but they're made to make the decisions on behalf of their family, on behalf of Ew. their Yeah. And it's fucked up. So it takes all autonomy away from any woman that's in that church. And so we get there and, you know, I become a voting member and I, you know, we have to tithe, which we'll get into in a little bit. But that means I started paying money out of my pocket to the church. Because God needs your money, like George Carlin said. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there going, I can't like sit by and so there i'm like there, there's they're short a leadership position coming up a person doesn't want to do it anymore and so i'm like well i guess i'll do it right and he's like cool i don't want to do it i'm going to be a an elder is what they're called and el- elders are like meant to be you know, mem- long time members that it's one of the roles in the church that uh, go to people's houses and help them through hard times and support other members of the church and to, you know, be that, you know, spiritual family, so to speak. And they're called upon for different things like funerals and stuff like that. Um, And these, yeah, I join the leadership team and they go, okay, we have a guy who's president who doesn't want to do it longer. And so we think that you'd be good for the role eventually, but we want you to come into the council and Mm. learn. And so I'm like, okay, so they make me treasurer. All right. Oh, so So here I am a young, this is 2014. I start in this position, the end of 2014. And I am have suddenly become treasurer in a church 
and have suddenly started to take over all of the finances to this church. Oh, shit. And I, so I, that's a lot of responsibility. Yes. And there's a lot of money going into it. But I can see that this church is bleeding money and deeply fucked. Oh, ruh So, So what became your responsibilities with that in particular? I was in charge of taking all of the tithe money. I would go into the back after the church service was done, take all of it. I would count it. I would put it in, take it out of the envelopes or take put, put all the cash together, put together a full itemized receipt. Like, I'm not joking. This is places like a business and mm-hmm. put it into our records. I would then take all of the money, put it into a bank envelope. I would drive across the street to the bank that was across the street and I would turn it into this bank. And then I would balance the books. And I would keep track of everything as it went along and I would pay the pastor and I would pay the bills and I would cover all of the things that were going on. And I would make reports out to the council as to what the finances were like and what was going on in the church. Okay. So I just looked it up because I'm like, are they a 501c tax exempt church and yes. as of 1966 the wells churches are indeed at that 501c3 tax exempt status so that's probably why they had you making all of those documents because uh, yeah you sort can, of you can lose that status you um, can but let me yeah. tell you Once you receive that status and once you've been in good setting for a while, I never once have ever seen a Welsh church have anything looked into as far as their money goes. And that's fucking scary. It is. Like, and of course, I'm the goody two shoes over here that was just like, you know, I'm just going to do my thing and take everything in and do whatever. Right. And so like. And I would tell everyone and I, you know, talk about what was going on. And we had endowments from certain people. We had stock. We had oh, stock? like, yes. What and so fuck? again, we didn't have to pay taxes on any of this. We held property. We had uh, both the church and a house for the pastor that the pastor got to live in. They didn't pay any ta- property taxes or anything like that. So, of course, oh, shit. but we did have to pay for things like fire inspections and building code stuff and that kind of okay. thing um so there is certain things that you have to do as just for safety's sake but like in general we had no oversight into what we did now the the way that money is handled in a church is fucking weird because you pray on it and you have to try to make the right decision biblically with what you do with your money And so, like, if you're going to use money for the church for some event or whatever it might be, you have to basically try and get the correct things in place, basically. And it's bonkers the way that you sit in a council meeting and you just you like discuss this stuff like it's it's insane. Wait, when you said we had to pray over the money, I pictured your council (laughs) meeting just like. And like a preschool table in a part of the church and just like a bunch of money 
on the table and just like you <laughs> and like four other people standing over it with your arms oh, stretched no. out pray it was way <laughs> less cool than that That's <laughs> so no 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 this is how my like, dumbass brain works like i we would pray like five times during the damn council meeting oh no and we had bible lessons as a part of the council meeting so you had to go through education as a part of at being a council member so reading luther's catechism studying things we had to go through and learn stuff about everything like it was wild well you're an official you probably need to be able to like parrot this to other people probably correct yeah and i had to be the person that would go and tell people like you know hey like you know, me, the president would look into who's tithing and who's not, right? Oh, what? And like, what if somebody's like you, having difficulties? Like, I well, so some people would put cash in, right? And so you couldn't tell who gave the cash, okay. but everybody who paid by check, you'd get that exact amount of money recorded. Um, and there's comments about it and things like that. So while we're doing this, I'm about to get married and uh we're living there for a couple months i become kind of this thing and they start going your address is the same yeah no shit we're living together we're an item (laughs) and they brought this up like two and a half three weeks prior to the wedding (laughs) she had to leave her fucking home because you guys weren't married at the insistence of some fucking church Yeah. yeah yeah and so they wanted us to find this on our own dime And they wanted us to find a place for everyone to just kind of figure out how to be apart so that we didn't have sex prior to marriage, which we very much did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So this is the, the crazy bit to me. Like they, they were so in line with the Bible that they wouldn't, they didn't want you to live together. And I'm like, how would I have done that living in England with her or like moving to New York? How do you expect us to afford that? That's not realistic in any sense of the word, even back then when housing was cheaper. Yeah, that and that's so invasive. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah, we we were like, we're not going to do that. And it took my pastor from the madison school the one that is more progressive because he lives on a college campus right to call my pastor to be like look dude it's three weeks from the wedding like calm down um like i'm they have other expenses right now (laughs) yeah and he did our marriage counseling the one back in wisconsin because that's where we were getting married we were getting married back at my parents and by the way you have to go through marriage counseling on top of all of this stuff so like they're part of your every part of your life like they teach you how to be a good married couple and what you're supposed to do in a biblical Christian marriage. What um, the fuck? So the concept of marriage counseling could be good, right? Like, cause that's a big change, but then sticking the fucking church into it. That just, Oh, that bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a counselor, like a person like who's, professionally does this this is a oh it's just some fucking dude in the church yeah he's the pastor he went i mean he went to school for being a pastor right and so he has basic counseling skills like i'm talking like he went to a couple classes this is not like a this is not a psychologist or a marriage a true marriage counselor this is a person who basically got a hundred level course on fucking 
how to like talk to people in this case, right? Like, oh no, and it's all from the biblical perspective because they go to what's called seminary, and seminary is a four year school for mm-hmm. pastors, right? And they get a degree in this, okay. And these seminaries, by the way, are ran by the church and they have full colleges devoted by created by this Wisconsin Lutheran church. There's one outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that all of them go to to become pastors. And so cool, right? We get married. This blows over. And I'm like, this has been really tough, but we got through it. Whatever. Maybe things will calm down. And then they go, okay, we want you to be president. Did right? you want to be president? And I had serious reservations at the time because I was like, do I want that responsibility? Hmm. And I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to do it the way my dad did with this other church. Right. And in the the only way I know how to make it grow. And part of the reason they wanted me to do this and why they voted for me was because I was young. I had lots of energy. Um, I was 25 years old when I became the president of a church congregation right Ooh. was and that ever your goal before it happened no oh <laughs> all right so, they just kind of looked at you and said mm, that one knows they know what they're doing yep so on the books this church had 150 active members okay and mm-hmm. i was like bullshit so one of the first things i did when i was a became president was to purge people. And I hate to say this, but it was like, okay, these people aren't showing up. We need to call them and figure out if they're ever going to come again. And if they're ever Mm going to be there, because first off, when I was treasurer, there was no money coming in from these people because they weren't there. And you can't run a church without money because you have to pay Mm -hmm. a pastor. You have to pay taxes. You have, or not taxes. You have to pay, um, you know, building inspections. You have to pay the, you know, for the, the house and maintenance of the church and all of these things. So you have to have money coming in. And so I'm like, you know, we need to have more members, period. And by the time I got it done, we were like 80 of the 150. Okay. Okay. A little more than half. A little more than half. Um, And people were coming pretty regularly. And so we, we knew exactly what we were going to get pretty much every Sunday. And I'm like, okay, let's start to implement things that will help this church. Some of the things that I suggested, for instance, was like we started to run trunk or treat things around Halloween. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and little we, community stuff. Yeah, community things. We went and did community events at the local fairs. We went out to do like we handed out flyers. We did social media posts and we started to build momentum. And then my pastor decided to take a call, which is what it's called, at a different church where the different church um, and pastors tend to do this. They move between churches. Mm. he and his family did that and so for the first six months of my presidency he left and we had a temporary pastor that would drive down from toronto canada to buffalo um which is about an hour and a half drive every sunday to be a guest pastor we moved our service time later in the day and it actually worked out a little bit but more people came because it wasn't at 9 a.m it was at 11 Right. He was all on board with the things that I wanted to do. So it was like, okay, we're going to, and we're going to do big services that are more fun. And we're going to try to do some other things. At the same time, they weren't able to come every Sunday. Go figure. They have their own congregation and everything. So guess whose responsibility it was 
Oh, man. <laughs> to then, as the pet president, one of my responsibilities was to be the guest pastor. And not only not only that, but be the pastor would put together suggested themes for the thing, but it was my job to organize every service at the church. So all those pamphlets that I told you about, I had to create the pamphlet. I had to make sure that it was correct. I had to bring in all the Bible verses. I had to put them in. I had to organize the music and the hymns and the like. This is a lot. It's a lot of shit. And there was Wednesday services and Sunday services and Easter services and people would die and you'd have to go do a funeral and you were responsible for everything. I had to randomly go and mow the lawn every once in a while. At the same time, it was so much, and my family was going through a lot. This was when, immediately after getting married, my ex got pregnant, right? Because that's what you do. And (laughs) that brought a lot of hardship. She had postpartum depression, right? Like, that's really hard. That's a hard thing to go through. Yeah, that's that's a big, big change. It's a big change on her body. It's a big change on your relationship. That not to mention there is a fucking baby now. <laughs> we, yeah, well, I bought a house, so we moved. I we moved into this new home. We I became the president, was doing all this stuff. I had a new kid. I had work and I had financial issues because I was trying to deal with a brand new mortgage and all these different things. It was probably Ooh. the hardest time of my entire life. This was where things started to go really downhill for me because I was already struggling, keep in mind, with all the depression of being in the closet. Yes. So, yeah, you have that going on. She's in the closet, too, by the way. Like, oh, (laughs) fuck. Like, this is just so much. You have a full time job, a whole new family, financial stuff. Ah. Yeah. You we're doing like the the roles of three other people. Like what yes. the fuck? And we were miserable. Absolutely miserable. And this is when I really went downhill mentally because of my dysphoria, like because I was able to handle the dysphoria because at the time prior to that because my life wasn't that complicated. Right? And yeah. I could just shove that aside and go do fun things and ignore all of this other shit um, in my life that was sell- settling under the surface and just simmering. I thought being busy might keep it away, uh... but being so that busy made me completely fucked in the head in every aspect. Uh, yeah, you don't have time to actually do something about this, whether it's see a professional in some capacity uh-huh. or or something fuck so i was president from the end of 2015 till the end of 2016 for a year and i said i couldn't do it anymore that's fair while i'm there though you know i'm doing all this stuff and i'm the one who has to tell like do all these sermons and i'm seeing just how rotten everything is from firsthand they ha- would not entertain the idea of women having a larger role in the church. And I'm talking not even like they they wouldn't allow them to vote on church matters. They didn't allow them to be a part of any council. They wouldn't allow them to teach Sunday school because uh, y- women are not allowed in scripture to teach others about scripture, according to them, which is 
bullshit uh, in every sense of the word. I had a whole scriptural battle with my pastor on it. I did everything I could to try to get this place to change, and they just were unwilling to do so. And of course, now my job has changed, right? That's what I do. But of course, I didn't know any of my skills at that time for doing that. I was success- somewhat successful, and they started to get a few more people. Like, But they that underlying rot was just brutal. What I'm talking about is like not just the women part of it. They... Would well, probably kids. it probably stems from that old biblical value that this church seems to hold by scripture alone. Yeah, they fully believe the world's five thousand years old. Like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> so this is why it's so hard for me to talk about because I quite literally was there for their oppression of lgbtq people i was quite literally there for them pushing people to tithe more i was there and supported and helped with them you know bringing people in and getting them confirmed and baptizing my kids and baptizing others and it was seen as a happy thing at the time right and when you're in it you're in it like you can't you don't you don't see the forest of the trees. You can't see what you're doing. And it's really hard. But what I started to pick up on were these things that just I couldn't get out of my head. And it was bugging my ex massively because she's like, I I don't I feel useless. I sit in the back with the child and with the other women. And Ugh. they always talk about how you're such a good parent because you do basic shit as a man, like change diapers and take care of your kid matt go figure i'm i'm not a man right (laughs) maybe that had something to do with it i have no idea but like well even even then i i feel like that's a common thing throughout society not just within christian circles there's a weight that women have we're supposed to just be all of these things we're supposed to be so mature. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're supposed to take such bullshit, such heaping bullshit with grace. And if we show any kind of emotion, then it's it's wrong. It's wrong. We're wrong. We're terrible. We're emotional. We can't handle responsibility. No, bitch. I'm a person with fucking feelings. Okay? Fuck. Ah. Well, and I think okay, about ran this, over. I, I was probably not the best person to be around as a partner, as a parent, or as anything, because I was deeply depressed and deeply, like, fucked in the head. Yeah. And I just felt this weight, and that life turned into this twilight, like, horrible nightmare. You know, it only started to get better when I just couldn't take it anymore, and I was like, I'll be treasurer again right and i'm like have responsibility and i'll deal with the money and so they're like fine and then uh, 2017 hits i become i get sworn in as treasurer and um the old president takes back over i am just having this massive crisis of faith like i just don't know what to do with myself the community in the church isn't really helping and mm. you know my ex uh and I come out to each other, at mm. least as not straight. I did not right. tell her at the time that I was trans. 
which I did figure out through different things, right? At the time, we're like, we can't do this anymore. We leave in late 2017 or mid-2017, somewhere in there. Nice. And we send in our resignation and everything fucking blew up. It was like the world had ended for everyone besides us. (laughs) But I got half my life back. It probably saved my life to leave the church. Probably. Uh, It sounded like a major source of fucking just misery and strife. I... uh, And, uh, yeah. Yeah, when you... Leaving a community is hard, but especially when you're so bought into it, you know, like you had a fucking mortgage probably to be near this church. Yeah. (laughs) You're you were financially tied to this and a lot of people end up like financially tied to something, whether it's some kind of faith or some kind of organization that they feel inclined to. And it's money is a motivating force for a lot of this oh it's fucking oh my god beyond that like what i i kind of want to allude to is the fact that how much a president has power over this group of people is insane you're also required or encouraged to go to conferences with the other leaders in the churches basically discuss how you're going to fuck up the world and it's really dark because you're you're talking about how can we spread Christianity and involve ourselves in politics and oh, all that kind no. of shit. And, you know, all these things that people talk about with, like, Faith United and all these different, like, secret political organizations that are behind the Republican Party. And yeah, those are fucking real. Those are real. <laughs> they come from this. And I wasn't directly involved in any of those, but I would go to synod conference and things like that. And that would mean like or at least participate and when you would do that like you were directing the direction of the church which meant Mm -hmm. that you were directing that and so all 1400 or whatever it is congregations around the world would come to this conference and participate my district president which was in charge of the northeast of the united states and myself like or a representative from my church and other people would all go and we would talk about the state of what the Northeast is like. And, oh. you know, it, it was baffling. You know, you really felt like you were a part of something when you would go to those things. I, I think that was the hard part. But us leaving was this massive thing. 2018, I kind of went on an exploration of what the fuck I was going to do with my life. Deconstruction, hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. And in 2019, uh, there was a nice documentary about Satanism. And uh, that was that. So there we go. And now you have a satanic (laughs) podcast with me. (laughs) But like, oh, man, what a ride. What a ride. (laughs) Yes. Fuck. Like that kind of gets into, you know, some of the things that I went through as far as like my responsibilities, my accomplishments, those kinds of things. The thing I have to say is people don't understand that the behind the scenes on a church is ugly. There is fighting, there's trauma, there's money, there's politics, there's everything that you could imagine in any other organization that you could possibly imagine, and you are involved in all of it. So, fuck that. (laughs) I think about that all the time. 
and it weighs pretty heavily on me um, as part of my past. And um, here I am, though. I think I can't change it. All I could do was learn from it and to do the Mm -hmm. best I could going forward. Yeah. I think if there's anything worth saying from me for this episode, it's that knowing you now, it's hard for me to fucking imagine this version of you. I believe you 100%, but it's really hard for me to imagine because of how you have changed. And I want to make sure to tell you that I'm proud of you as your friend. Very proud of you. And that's a big fucking change. But for anybody listening, change is hard, but especially because you can't see it while you're in it. You know, it might feel fucking like, like depression and anger and it might feel like you're fucking tired all the time but and it's not instant and that's why it feels that way so it's just painful and slow and gradual and sometimes it can just take an outside perspective or looking back like you are now to be aware of it so if you're out there if you're listening and you're making changes don't fucking stop you can go from church president to heathen. You can do it. It'll just take a little bit of time and a whole lot of stress, apparently. <laughs> I think that's a great thing to say because honestly, that's the hardest part about that change is that my whole life was built around this religion. And so for those of you that are out there that are pastors but doubt or who are just a congregant congregant that doubts it doesn't matter like that's your community right and you're Mm -hmm. struggling and here you go into this crazy journey of like wait a minute my whole world for the first you know however many years of my life was a lie what do you do now and my short answer is the best that you can right hell yeah learn (laughs) question You know, the and the, the, if there's anything I can say is that I definitely am proud of how satanic I am in the fact that that was the start was me questioning and me mm-hmm. asking questions and learning about things other than what I had lived like before. <laughs> was it easy? No, I went through a divorce. I went through, you know, massive problems, you know, dealing with my family. I went through all of these things, but I will say is that now, after finally being myself, after finally looking at the past and going, oh my goodness, like that was the real hard time. It makes everything that I go through from a struggle today seem pale in comparison. And (laughs) (laughs) like, I may have hard days, but I'm happy. I have two beautiful children. I have an amazing partner. I have an awesome podcast, an awesome group of friends, <laughs> a community that likes fucking with things. And I can get behind that. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> so, to all of you out there, thank you for listening to my story. This was hard. Thank you for sharing. I uh, wanted to just do it because I think there's others that are out there that either have gone through similar things or are going through them right now. Yeah. Not even necessarily with a church. It could just be 
your your family. It could be a different style of community that you're in. Like, oh, shit is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think even just being a part of a conservative family, you may not even go to church, but your family may be on that side of things. And you're finally figuring out maybe the things that I was told were satanic or wrong or bad. Maybe they're not what I thought they were. The most satanic thing you can do is ask questions. I just want to say to hail, hail to all of you and hail Satan, because without Satan, without this in my life, without like learning how good like sex and fucking like drugs and like <laughs> rock and roll and fun and doing everything that is enjoyable and letting loose is, I would not be here today. So hail that. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs>